the Roberts Bank Terminal 2 project uh, is moving forward after it received approval from the federal government subject to a 370 uh, legally binding condition, conditions to protect the environment. The project um, is expected to increase the port's capacity by 50%. Uh, port CEO Robert um, Robin Sylvester uh, was on our show at 4 o'clock uh, and he certainly talked about uh, the construction um, uh, schedule moving forward and uh, how significant uh, the decision was. The announcement came today. And joining me now to talk a little bit about the announcement is Jonathan Wilkinson, Canada's Minister of Natural Resources. Minister, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, first and foremost, how difficult of a decision was this? Uh, to approve a project is one thing, but it is also subject to 370 legally binding conditions. How difficult of a decision was this moving forward? Well, it was a decision that required a lot of thought and work. Um, I mean, clearly there is an economic uh, argument for this project. Uh, we will run out of container capacity by the early 1930s, and unless we actually are in a position to, um, or 2030s, and mm-hmm. if we're not in a position to expand capacity, we effectively will have a cap on exports from the West Coast of Canada. So that's a pretty pretty dire uh, circumstance. But by the same token, we have to ensure that if projects are to proceed, they, they are proceeding in a manner that's consistent with environmental sustainability. And so we took a long time working through some of the concerns that had been raised, legitimate concerns, relating to things like potential impacts on salmon and, and southern resident killer whales. And, uh, and under the 373 conditions reflect uh, a lot of thought and a lot of work as to how we can ensure that uh, we address those concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh- There were, as you say, a significant amount of concern over the environment. Uh, You had uh, scientists, you had environmental organizations, uh, you had uh, First Nations communities speak up, you had uh, municipalities like Delta, Richmond and White Rock speak up on this issue uh, as well. Uh, What do you say to those uh, groups, uh, individuals and communities who oppose this from day one moving forward? Can you bring them along or is this going to be contentious up until one day this, uh, this expansion is completed? Well, I think for, in the case of, of some of the, the organizations and groups you noted, that they have been brought along. So, you know, the port actually has uh, impact benefit agreements with 26 out of 28 of the most affected First Nations. And the two that are most impacted, Musqueam and, and Tawasin, uh, Musqueam is very supportive of the project and, and uh, Tawasin has given its consent to the project and said that they, they believe the mitigation measures are, uh, are sufficient. So they have been brought along, and that's been very important, obviously. Um, we have tried to work with uh, many in the environmental community to ensure that we are hearing their concerns and we are putting in place conditions that will address them. I, I was a former minister of fisheries and oceans and worked very hard on the on the, the plan to save southern resident killer whale. I was minister of environment for almost three years, working on a range of issues uh, that are relevant to this. Um, and simply this project wouldn't have been approved if we hadn't um, thoughtfully address those things and believe that we had really mitigated the impact. Mm-hmm. Could this expansion not have occurred in Prince Rupert instead because there's such significant opposition to the um, the particular project? Could this project not have been replicated in, 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 a, in a community like Prince Rupert where they do have a port, it is expanding, you have access to highways and rail? Could this not have been replicated there? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because people often say that. And what I would say to you is the Port of Prince Rupert is an important uh, resource for the province and for the country. But it is 
a much smaller port than the Port of Vancouver, much, much smaller. Um, and it only has one of the railways that runs there. The Port of Vancouver has both. Um, that makes it fundamentally different in character um, to the Port of Prince Rupert. I would also say that the increase in, in the need for exports is almost certainly going to require a significant expansion of the Port of Prince Rupert as well. So it's not really an either-or situation. It's actually trying to ensure that we are in a position to do things like seize the opportunities that are enabled by a low-carbon transition, so exporting critical minerals and hydrogen and a range of other things that, uh, that Canada can help the world with. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in regards to the 370 legally binding conditions, can you give me a sense of sort of what those conditions are? I don't expect you to go through all 370, but broadly speaking, what are the things that the government yeah. uh, is sort of brought up in regards to, to concern for, for the government to be concerned about? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And if I was going to go through all 373, we'd be here for a long yeah, time. But that's right. for example, in the context of, of uh, habitat for Chinook salmon, which is obviously an important issue, um, there is a requirement to uh, for habitat that may be impacted by the project to more than offset that through, uh, through habitat creation. And, and so really looking to not only uh, mitigate, but also to actually create uh, more in the way of habitat. Um, there's also a whole range of, of conditions around the construction period and how we manage it so it doesn't interfere with salmon and with marine mammals. On, on, on the whale side of things, um, it's about a requirement for effectively no net new noise in the Salish Sea because noise is the big issue for southern resident killer whales. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially we're saying this project can't create more problems for them. The same thing is true with respect to the sandpiper and biofilm, which is a whole range of conditions in there, including an adaptive management approach so that if there are impacts, the project has to stop and you have to figure out how to address them. And in the worst case, the project just has to stop. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those who say, look, the crab fisheries is one issue, that the crab fisheries are, are displaced, that you, you, you can't bring it back. What do you say to that argument? So that was uh, that was a particularly important issue, I think, for uh, for uh, Tawasin and Musqueam First Nations. Um, that's something that we've been working on with them for some period of time. I think there may be o- opportunities for offsetting, and there may be opportunities um, to uh, to work to ensure that the the impacts are actually um, relatively minor. But but it is one of those impacts that again has been the focus of a lot of work, particularly with the First Nations. Minister, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you very much.